When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to LaFleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. It's gonna be sick. Marinero on this Tuesday, June 6th. It is one minute past 10 o'clock, and it is the Sick Podcast. And we're talking not Habs, but a former Montreal Canadian whose name is obviously in the news, especially since he led the Quebec Rampart to the Memorial Cup on the weekend. Yeah, Patrick Roy, will he be back in the National Hockey League after spending the last three seasons with the Quebec Rampart, the previous three seasons? As head coach of the Colorado Avalanche in year one, he won the Jack Adams Award as the best coach in the National Hockey League. And uh, year two and three, not so good. But uh, the previous eight years before that, once again, he was with the Quebec Ramparts. And look, he's done his time, has he not? And today the team was at City Hall in Quebec Cité, and he was not there. Now, they do say that he'll be at the draft table on the weekend, and we'll know more, a little bit more in a week, whether or not he's going to return to the Quebec Ramparts. But there's a couple of teams that have come up, and a couple of people have tweeted about it, saying, you know, the New York Rangers, and now that's been dismissed. We're hearing that they have not contacted him. We heard that the Columbus Blue Jackets did contact him, but by all accounts, it looks like they're going to hire Mike Babcock and make that official in the next couple of weeks. And then, of course, there's the whole thing about Canadian markets, two different markets, one in Toronto, one in Ottawa, one a team ready to win now, the Toronto Maple Leafs, one a team, the Ottawa Senators, a young team with a lot of talent and a lot of potential. 
which is what he had with the Quebec Ramparts a couple of years ago. And he was able, of course, to bring them to Memorial Cup. It is the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinaro, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group and Energy's purpose of creating progress for their customers, their employees, and their communities. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Also brought to you in part by Playground. Over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Also brought to you in part by La Bit at TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bit at TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit at TB, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Murphy Clinic, by the way. An aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. They offer permanent laser hair removal as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. Visit murphyclinic.ca. They have two locations, Rosemont and Terrebonne, and opening up in Quebec City pretty soon. By the way, I was in Rose uh, in Terrebonne location earlier this morning and uh, laser hair removal on the chest. Four weeks ago, it was the armpits. And uh, also did the legs today, by the way. Tony Marinaro, as clean as they come. Hey, it's been a while since I've had a chance to talk to this gentleman. I believe at once uh, once upon a time, we, we were on a um, World Cup panel show with, of course, Canada going uh, to the World Cup in, uh, in Qatar. I believe we were on a, a panel together. Uh, we used to talk a lot more, but uh, because once upon a time, we used to work for the same company, but we no longer do of TSN 1200 in Ottawa, AJ Jackubeck. How are you? Outstanding, Tony. Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well, my man. Always one of my favorites. Why? Because you have an energy that's contagious, and I like people with energy. So I like AJ Jackubeck. Right back at you. All right, man. All right. Hey, listen. Um, the Sens Ownership Group. We're going to talk about Patrick Roy, you and I. I'll give you a heads up right now. We will talk about him. But I, I almost get the feeling that, you know, Patrick Roy, if he's going to make his way back to the National Hockey League, there has to be an ally there. There's got to be someone. There's got to be a friend. There's got to be someone who knows who knows him, who says, you know what? I'm not intimidated to work with this guy. I, I don't struggle from, you know, uh, security issues. Like, I'm not insecure. I'll work with him. No problem. Because Patrick, um, you know, he carries a lot of weight. And, uh, of course, he could be rather intimidating, being the ultimate winner that he is uh, as a player and as a coach at the junior level. So what's going on with the Sense Ownership Group? Well, we're still in a waiting pattern. And I, I think Ottawa fans are probably a little bit frustrated. But, you know, I think Gary Bettman said it right on the weekend. This is not like selling a car. We're talking about a billion dollar business now. And that that's essentially what this franchise is going to go for, as shocking as that sounds. As one of the smaller market franchises in the league, they're going to go for about a billion dollars U.S. And I, I don't know what the holdup is at this stage, um, but you still have four groups that are still in the mix. And I would suspect, knowing how the NHL operates, we're probably not going to see or hear about news of a sale until at least after the Stanley Cup finals are over. So 
Yeah, uh, I don't know if they're still trying to get that price up. I don't know if they have a a group in mind. You know, it's the NHL. It's their club. They want to yeah. admit who they want to admit. And so maybe they want their particular group to, to raise the price because if, you know, one group is already bidding a couple hundred million more than another group, well, yeah. it's tough to turn that down, especially if you're the franchise. So in the meantime, here in Ottawa, we wait. I get people are frustrated, but I was in Edmonton when Daryl Cates took over the team. So this yeah. is no surprise to me. This this takes time. What do you know about the ownership groups? Uh, you hear a lot about Michael Andlauer because, so of course, uh, alternate governor in Montreal. And um, good luck finding anyone to say anything bad about Michael Andlauer. Uh, everyone seems to believe that he would be the perfect owner and, and part of the perfect ownership group i'm led to believe there's a lot of local people involved uh, at a smaller level in his group as well then you've got uh, the kimmel brothers who are part of owners of the penguins um apparently analytics driven so there's a lot of talk that if they got the team maybe uh, kyle dubas uh, might be part of the organization but of, of course he took the job in pittsburgh yeah uh the, the who, intriguing one for me. Who could blame him? There's 40 plus million reasons to take that job. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And you know what? He's going to be the actual GM without the title. So the pressure in the end is not going to fall on him because uh, the one who's going to be picked apart by the media is going to be the actual GM who's going to have the. It's it's a beautiful thing, really. My God, he, he played that one to a T. He did. Well done. Um, Nico Sparks and their group uh, with. A ton of celebrities. There's been a lot surrounding this group because they've added so many different people from Russell Peters to uh, Donovan Bailey, Snoop Dogg. Uh, you can go on and on and on. Uh, and then, you know, the probably the most intriguing group to me, other than the Adlauer group, just because everyone seems to like Michael Adlauer, is the one involving Steve Apostolopoulos. And when you look at his net worth, it's right around $4 billion. Um, put in a bid for the Washington Commanders at around six million. Ended up losing that to Josh Harris and the group that owns the Sixers and the Devils. Mm -hmm. But uh, hard to argue with that type of money. Yeah. And we'll we'll see how it all plays out. In the end, I think people here just want a group that is financially stable, is going to spend to the cap, and cares about the community. AJ, when years ago Jeff Molson picked up the Montreal Canadiens, the Molson Center, and Evenco uh, for about $575 million, although it was a lot of money, everyone knew it was a great deal and, uh, and he was going to make a lot of money with it. And obviously he has because today the Montreal Canadiens are worth more than $1.5 billion. If you got word that one of those ownership groups was one of your best friends that was behind it, and he called you and he said, hey, AJ, listen, um, it looks like uh, I'm in pole position to buy the Senators here for about a billion dollars. Would you say good move or bad move and why? Yeah, and, and I think I, I'm led to believe one of the things that I heard is that if Michael Anlauer does sell, uh, I think he's got 10% of the Canadians. He would get yeah. 200 million for it. So that, that goes to show exactly how much money they're deemed to be worth right now is probably double what the Ottawa Senators would sell for. I, I guess in the end, it all depends on what 
your motivation is and you know to to have your own franchise put your own stamp on things uh, i think has to be attractive uh to him and all these groups and uh, i think that's probably i mean the one group that pulled out was the ryan reynolds group with the remington group uh out of toronto and reynolds of course with uh ottawa ties and and from vancouver and you know you look at what he did at Wrexham. I, I went to a game there this year and it's just incredible. Oh, you went to a game, done. really? I, I did. Yeah. Wow. It was an incredible experience. Just I, I'm a huge soccer fan, as you know, Tony. And, yeah, I listen, I know, but why don't you call yeah. me when you do stuff like this, man? <laughs> happy to come on anytime. Yeah, I, I did seven games, four in Italy, one in San Marino. No, 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 not happy to come on. Call me for the trip. I would have gone with you. Okay. Who'd you go with? Well, I went with my girlfriend, so that's... Oh, really? Yeah? <laughs> yeah. That probably wouldn't have flown. You know what? Unless I was bringing my wife, it would have been a little bit weird. If uh, my wife wasn't <laughs> going to go with me, I was going to be there holding the candle. It would have been a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been. It a still would have been fun, but... It would have been a little bit just weird. a little bit weird. No, Wrexham does... And, and in all the games we went to and, and ended up going to seven, and it was the San Siro in Milan. It was Stadio, Stadio Olimpico in Rome. It was... Uh, the the Maradona Stadium in Napoli, Wembley Stadium for England, Ukraine. Wow. And honestly, my second favorite experience was Wrexham. It was ten thousand people. It was intimate, and the people there were so passionate about their club. Wow! It, it was uh, it was a fantastic experience. So I think there is a little disappointment for sure about a missed opportunity uh, with with Ryan Reynolds and what he could have done to the Ottawa Senators. Because I've said this before, Ottawa's it, it's it's almost like if you put a major league baseball team in Hartford, you've got the two biggest fan bases in the national hockey league with the most tradition. And I get one of those franchises as not a lot of positive tradition in the last 50 plus years, but yeah. the Leafs and the Habs are the two biggest fan bases in the league. And you plopped a team in Ottawa. So here we are 30 years later. And, and I, I think they're doing well as a franchise, but they really could have used something to stand out. And I think Ryan Reynolds could have been that. That being said, um, you know, he wanted to put his own stamp on things. I don't think he wanted to be second banana either. So you've got four different groups. And and again, if it's the Ann Lauer group, if it's the Apostolopoulos group, I'm sure uh, whoever it is uh, of the four, I'm sure they're going to do a lot of good things here. And but But there's no doubt, especially with, you know, the draft coming and free agency coming, a lot of yeah. fans here were hoping that this would be done and dusted. And, you know, at least the new ownership group, whether they're staying with the same management group or bringing in their own people, could chart their course from the draft and free agency on. And it doesn't really feel like it's going to get to that, given how long this process is taking. Does Pierre Dorian's future and DJ Smith's future depend on who the next owners of the Ottawa centers are going to be at least for the next season. That's a great question. You know, with one of the groups, I was told that they would bring those two back. I, I can't tell you which of the four, you know, we're going to bring them back and, and which of the four aren't going to bring. I, I just have no idea. Right. But mm -hmm. it's I, the, the guy I feel for at this stage is, is DJ because I, I feel like, Man, if you get if you get fired in at this stage or in July, that's a tough time because all of a sudden, okay, well, you're not finding another job. I guess you could yeah. in the middle of the season, but it's tough to be kind of twisted in the wind like that. But that's the profession they choose. 
Um, if DJ's back, there, there's no doubt he has to get off to a better start. The, the last three seasons, this team has just started dreadfully out of the gate. The COVID season was a little bit understandable because other teams have been playing. Like, they've been off since March. I call yeah. them the forgotten seven, the teams that didn't compete in the playoffs last year, that, that year, as the other 24 did. And that, I think, put teams back. When all of a sudden they, they got back in January, I, I understood getting out of the gate slow that year. But the next year they were 4-15-1 and one out of the gate. And and then this past year it was 6-12-1. And, and they finished strong. But yeah. there's no way. I mean, to me, this team had to take a step last year, and they did. Uh, they played some games at least into the spring that meant something, which they hadn't done in a long time. But next year, and it's not going to be easy because the uh -huh. East, there's a lot of good teams. But next year, I think, and, and Buffalo is going to be in the same boat as well. To me, it's about making the playoffs. And if you're yeah. making the playoffs, 6-12-1, and one, you have no chance. So they yeah. have to start better. That starts with a head coach. And, um, you know, the, the one thing I'll say about DJ Smith is the players, and especially the best players, you, you talk to Tim Stutzler, you talk to Brady Kachuk, those players absolutely love him. Now, hey, that, that only goes so far if you don't win games. But... I think it would be a real jolt across the dressing room, especially now if they were to fire him in the middle of the summer. When Pierre Dorian went out and acquired Jacob Chikrin, he did so because the Ottawa centers were playing good hockey. He saw something and he said, you know what, if I, I owe it to these guys to go out and get them some help instead of being a seller, I'm going to end up being a buyer. And you know what? He was hoping that Jacob Chikrin, that trade was going to put the Ottawa centers over the top and they were going to end up making the playoffs. Unfortunately, they did not. The number one reason they didn't make the playoffs after acquiring Chikrin and being on such a great run before making that trade, in your opinion, what's the number one reason why they didn't make the playoffs in the end? Oh, I, I mean, it's it starts with the start. Again, 6-12-1. But they got back close, and then lack of depth, I, I, I think. They finally got their defense right. The yeah. goaltending was just okay. I don't think it was bad. Some people like to blame the goaltending. You look at the numbers, they were average in the NHL. So with above average goaltending, maybe they make the playoffs, but they had average goaltending. So I don't think you can say it sunk them either. I, I just think the the depth up front in particular, it, it, they struggled in the first two-thirds of the season because they didn't have enough on the blue line. But then, you know, we, we saw down the stretch – when you're going up against teams like Seattle, for example, and I know they only played them twice, but you know one one of the games that is embedded in my mind is an eight four loss to Seattle at home, where all eight of the cracking goals were five on five, and because they're able to roll four lines at you, and and we see Carolina is able to do that. Certainly, the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, whether it's their forwards, whether it's their D. It's the depth that, that really matters. And for the Ottawa Senators, they've lost kind of some really key components from the middle of their lineup. Yeah. Nick Paul, the year before. Matthew Joseph, I think, is a good player. But, you know, Tampa Bay, I think, got the better player in, in Nick Paul in, in terms of what they were looking for as well, which was a big, strong middle six forward that plays both ends of the rank. and. We saw what kind of playoff he had when they went to the Stanley yeah, Cup final no, last season. You're so. right about that. Patrick Waugh's name, obviously, has been in the news over the last little while. He led the Quebec Ramparts to such a fantastic regular season. 
They were incredibly dominant during the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs in winning the La Coupe du Président, of course, and they make their way to the Memorial Cup. And what a performance that was on the weekend. In my opinion, probably one of the most impressive performances ever from a junior team at the Memorial Cup. I mean, the final wasn't even close. It looked like it was men against boys. And it's like the greatest game I've ever seen Patrick Waugh coach. We have a picture of him celebrating on the bench the second the game was over. If we can show it to you, uh, that's not on the bench. That's on the ice. That's not on the bench. That's on the ice. Eventually, they're going to get it right here, I hope. Okay. Uh, But anyway, we don't have the picture of him celebrating on the bench, I guess. But anyway, you saw him holding up the Memorial Cup. And and so uh, there's a lot of talk of Patrick Waugh coaching in the National Hockey League again. His name came up in Columbus. Now we're hearing that Mike Babcock is going to get that job. His name came up in New York. And Chris Drury is the general manager there, a former teammate of his with the Colorado Avalanche. And we figured, you know what? I thought he would have been awesome in New York. Big Apple, Patrick Waugh, Madison Square Garden, where he had great moments as a player. Anyway, it doesn't look like that's going to happen either. We're hearing it's down to LaViolette or John Hines. So now, a couple of other teams have come up. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. Two different teams. One that's ready to win now maybe was even ready to win yesterday or a couple of years ago, but haven't yet. The window is probably closing because there's a year left on Austin Matthews' contract and on William Nylander's contract, and a couple of years left on uh, Morgan Riley and Mitch Marner and John Tavares, and the list goes on and on. The other is the Ottawa Senators. Good, young, full of potential, with centers like Norris, Stutzla, Pinto, with um, wingers like uh, Batherson. Um, and um, I don't know what's going to go on to the, the Brinkett situation, but obviously Brady Kachuk on the fence with uh, the Chikrins and the Sandersons of this world. And I look at that team and I look, you know what? A young team, Patrick Waugh had a young team in Quebec a couple of years ago. They drafted all those players. And a couple of years later, he grew with them. He grew with them, and now they won the Memorial Cup. Do you see Patrick Waugh in Ottawa? Again, it depends on ownership and and what they plan on doing. My personal opinion, especially at this stage, I'd like to see DJ Smith back for one more year. I'm not giving him a contract extension or any of that, but I I do think the group believes in him. I do think... I, I talk to a lot of people. AJ Jackebeck. So if I would, I would say to you, you have the the choice to choose between Patrick Waugh and DJ Smith. You're saying DJ Smith, and I say to you, if you say DJ Smith, that means the door is closed. Patrick's going somewhere else, and it's over. You say DJ Smith. I'm not deciding from day one. If I'm deciding from day one, I'm probably hiring Patrick Waugh, but. We're four years into it. They've built a culture here. They got better this year. When you talk to people around the team, they want they knew that this defense needed to be better. They always felt 
let DJ coach this team when when they got the defense. Now they got the defense. To me, there's no more excuses. No more excuses. Like, I'm not giving a contract extension. I, I want to see how this team does this year. But I feel like, especially at this stage, if they would have fired him at the end of the season or two weeks after, fine. I don't think it's ideal just to come in and fire the coach in a situation where the players all really want to play for this coach. So it's, it's kind of an apples and oranges situation. Yeah. Look, they interviewed, they you're interviewed right. Patrick. You know what? You're right about the defense because I forgot to bring up Thomas Shabbat's name and uh, yeah. you know, like he's one well, Artem Zub's a top four defenseman in this league as well. And he's probably a bit of a secret because he's been playing on bad teams, but He's been a revelation the last couple of years for the Senators. So I feel like they've got, for the first time in a long time, probably since 2017 when they made the conference finals and lost to Pittsburgh in seven, this is the first time they've actually had four top four defensemen. So they have, they have Shabbat, they have Zub, they have Chikrin, they have Sanderson. Yeah, that's, that's the four. You know, and um, that's not bad. But look, bad. I'm... I'm a big Patrick Waugh fan, um, and not just because of, you know, the way he played in the league. You talk to people in Colorado that played with him, and he was the de facto captain of those teams. I mean, Joe Sackick led on the ice, but in the room, the guy that was holding other players accountable, it was Patrick Waugh. And so he he was always meant to to be a coach. And And my roots are in junior hockey. I mean, I broadcast junior hockey for over 20 years in the Western League and the Ontario Hockey League and, you know, had a chance to see Quebec here in, in Gatineau in, in the conference finals Yeah, and, and then went to Quebec actually for a game in the QMJHL final against Halifax. What a great building, the uh, Centre Videotron. Fantastic. Amazing and, building. Amazing yeah, building. Yeah, awesome. But I, I was just so impressed. Like, Gatineau had 10 drafted players. Seattle had what, seven guys playing in the World Juniors? The, Quebec, they're a very talented team. Yeah. But they weren't as talented as Gatineau. They weren't as talented as Seattle. I'm not even sure they're as talented as Kamloops. And they were just the best team. And so, yeah, they still had good players. They had guys that are you're going to see in the NHL. But it was a really good, well-coached junior team. And you're right. That is one of the most couple impressive of, performances I've seen in that tournament. A couple of Italian kids on the team, one of which, oh, James Malatesta. Malatesta. Yeah. Oh, love, he just competes. I don't care if he's 5'9". The guy, he, he's talented, but I love his compete level. He'll, he'll play in the NHL. Whether it's top six, bottom yeah. six, he'll find a way to play. By the way, Testa means head in Italian, so it's... There's so many different interpretations of mala testa. It could be ma la testa or male a la testa, which means my head hurts. But he made other teams' head hurt uh, in the playoffs. Man, was he unbelievable. He was the MVP in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoffs. He was the MVP in the Memorial Cup as well. All right, so um, you believe. So let, let's just say an ownership group comes in. And they want to bring in a GM to replace Pierre Dorian. They want to do that right away. Is there someone right now not employed in the national or employed in the national hockey? Is there someone that you can see as the next GM of the Ottawa Senators? 
So I, I think if they clean house, there, there's a couple of interesting names. So number one, I, and I don't know if this is going to be similar type role to the Shanahan role and the Dubas role or whatever it might be, but that director of hockey operations role. Uh, Daniel Alfredson is, is certainly one name to watch just because not, not only what he meant to this organization on the ice and off the ice, but he did work for the organization um, in, in a management capacity. And, and the people that I talked to that worked in the organization when Alfredson was a part of it said they were really impressed. He, he was very detail oriented. He wanted to know how everything worked in the organization. You got to AJ. You got to be very careful with that role, though. Let me explain. Yeah. Right in Montreal, we have the the double-headed monster as well, in Messrs. Gorton and Hughes. But we really get the feeling, even though we're not with them behind closed doors, we really get the feeling that they're working in unison the way they said that they would. And you know what? There might be a difference of opinion here or there, but for the most part, we get the feeling that you know what. At one point, they end up making up their minds and boom, and they move forward and um, they're working together on it and they back each other up. In Toronto, based on what we heard, Brendan Shanahan ended up saying no to a couple of deals that Kyle Dubas wanted to pull off. And, you know, that didn't go over very well with Kyle Dubas, who wasn't happy with Brendan Shanahan. Hence, some of the reports coming out that Dubas wanted some more power and maybe wanted, you know, Shanahan out of there or to take a secondary role. So if Daniel Alfredson is going to be given that position, I mean, if he's going to end up saying no to a couple of deals that the GM wants to make, it's not going to work out very well. Uh, If he wants to give his opinion, but we'll let the GM, uh, we'll give the GM carte blanche in the end and make the GM do what he wants to do, then it can work out. So you got to be careful with that position in that role. Well, and that's why if Alfredson is involved, I would suspect he picks his own guy and someone that philosophically he's aligned with. The other the other name, and there's a couple. I mean, if Apostolopoulos does, gets does, it, does Alfredson have an ally that you know of? Uh, it, it's hard to know because he certainly has allies. I, I would think, I think Ann Lauer's got the most local group. And so that local group would would be able to probably deliver Daniel Alfredson if, he, if that's what he wanted to do. But also yeah. if Ann Lauer gets a team, you know, one one of the names that keeps coming up here because they work together in Hamilton and won an OHL championship there is uh, Steve Steos, who's working with the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I've been told that if Steos was offered something like that, you know, the, the Oilers might have to make – a pretty big decision. Maybe not this year. Ken Holland's going to be back this year for another year as the general manager, but maybe he'd be the GM in waiting in Edmonton just to fend off interest from elsewhere if Ann Lauer got the team and wanted to bring Steve Steos with them. So Steos is definitely a name that comes up, and you have to bring up Nick Kiprios because he was touring Canadian Tire Center with Steve Apostolopoulos, and so you have to think if Apostolopoulos gets the team that Nick Kiprios would be involved in in some matter, I would think. Wow, yeah. Uh, two Greek boys, right? Yeah. Yeah? It, wouldn't that be something? He'd have to, he'd probably have to stop doing his podcast though, at that point if that was the case. I think I, I, if, if you had the choice, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Radio broadcasting, it's great. But if someone with, worth $4 billion uh, says they need you, 
to work for your franchise, I'm probably pretty sure that uh, I'd jump at that and pro and the probable price tag as well. Yeah, I hear you. Definitely not going to make uh, four billion dollars in radio. No, uh, but uh, there is a chance to make over a hundred million dollars in podcasting. By the way, just ask Joe Rogan and Pat McAfee. But anyway, that's another story. There you go for another day. All right, um, Patrick Waugh. There's a tweet that was uh, that was put out there. I thought it was an interesting tweet, which obviously talked about his resume. Let's see if we can bring it up. All right, four times Stanley Cup, three times Conn Smythe, two Memorial Cups, one Jack Adams. Three Vesna trophies, three Jennings, first ballot Hall of Famer, four times first All Star team, two times second All Star team. Is Patrick Watt a fit for the Ottawa Senators? This is coming from Everyday Sense. Now, I know you said that you would go back with DJ Smith, and I could understand that as well because I do believe he deserves another chance, even though as, much as, I, so. as much as I'd like to see Patrick, I, I can understand those thinking that he deserves another chance because it is a young team. It was a team that lacked a little bit of depth, key positions. They lacked experience. They didn't have enough guys who knew how to win. Um, but look, I am one who for the longest time said, ah, oh, Patrick Wall, let's please stop. I mean, uh, we all have an idea what happened in Colorado. There was a power struggle. There was him and Joe Sackick and, you know, you just got the feeling that Patrick Waugh wanted to be the coach. He wanted to be the GM. He wanted to be the assistant coach. He wanted to be the assistant GM. He wanted to be the director of amateur scouting. He wanted to be the head therapist. He wanted to be the janitor. He wanted to be the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he wanted to be everything. You just got that feeling. I look at him. I see some changes in his communication skills. I see a man who is really good at leading a group of young men who's become a heck of a bench boss and a heck of a hockey coach. I believe in second chances. I really, I always have, and I always will. I'd like to see him get a second chance. I figured Ottawa would be a great market because once again, a young team full of potential, it would spark a rivalry that's there between the Ottawa centers and the Montreal Canadians, but he can take it to the next level. Bilingual will attract some fans from Gatineau as well more um canadian market same division so you made your case and i respect it so my question to you is if not ottawa where for patrick Waugh? i actually thought the rangers would be a great fit for him that being said gerard gallant we had john shabbat on our radio station recently yeah and he and he's tight with gerard glant and he did not have a lot of good things to say about the rangers their organization the way they basically sold gerard down the river and the fact that didn't really back him in terms of what he was trying to do to get the top players there to buy in so i i think Ottawa might be actually a better, like Rangers might be well, I, better listen, suited I, I to know win this. now. He, he probably has a lot more info than I do if he's tight with Gerard Gallant, but Gerard Gallant's best players didn't play for him in the playoffs, man. Gerard Gallant gets a lot out of his teams in the regular yeah. season, but in the playoffs, not really. Well, and, and yeah, no, and, and that's fair. That's absolutely fair. That's and what I the think, stats say. That's what yeah, the record no, shows. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But I think I think he felt he wasn't backed up. 
And, and again, you, you talk about GMs making moves and I know it's different in terms of Shanna and Dubas, but I'm not really hundred percent sure that Gerard Gallant thought that the moves that they made at the deadline were going to benefit how they needed to play come playoff time. So yeah, I, philosophical differences. And in the end, I think it truly was a mutual parting of ways because they both felt like they needed a fresh start. But yeah, I, I think Wah would do great there. I, again, I think Ottawa is a perfect spot for Patrick Wah. I really do. And, and maybe that perfect spot is 20 games into the season if the Ottawa Senators are 9-10-1 and one and decide that, okay, you know what? You guys wanted your coach back, you being the players. Mm-hmm. You didn't get it done for him. We're bringing in our guy now. All right, okay, but you know, we just we have a feeling that Patrick Wallet, it's it's he's not going to be waiting for a job and waiting for someone to be fired. He's going to be somewhere. So I talked to you about yeah. another market, Toronto, where it's a totally different situation than Ottawa. You have players who have a ton of experience. You have players who were supposed to deliver better results for years. Now they finally won a first round series for the first time in the longest time. Could you see Patrick Waugh in Toronto, or do you think that Brad Trilliving is going to stick with Sheldon Keefe and give him an opportunity to at least for at least a year to see what he can do? I feel like Toronto's in the same boat. Not in the same boat, but I feel like Sheldon Keefe's going to be back. New general manager. I, I, you just usually don't see coaches fired like a week or two before the draft. And, and I wouldn't expect that there's any movement in the next couple of weeks. The NHL really frowns. As you know, the NHL frowns on teams trying to steal the thunder away from the Stanley Cup final. So to all of a sudden think that Toronto or Ottawa is going to hire a new coach here, I'd be I'd be very surprised in the next couple of weeks. I, stranger things have happened, but I, I kind of feel like Shelton Keefe's going to be back there. I don't. I don't think anything's going to be different in Toronto until they change that core a little bit, though. And I don't even know how you do that. Well, I mean, if you want to change the core, you got to trade one of them. The only the only challenge is, is I mean, who's going to go after John Tavares at eleven million dollars a year? Well, exactly. So now you might. You, what are you going to do? You're going to end up trading a player that you probably don't want to trade out of all of them because that's you know, like it just. Doesn't make sense. I want to get back to Gerard Gallant because I said he doesn't get a lot out of his teams in the playoffs. Look, I should point out that he did have a team that lost in the finals and he did have a team that lost in the third round on both occasions. I mean, on in the finals with Vegas and in the third round with the New York Rangers. Um, but he also was eliminated with the Rangers in round one this year. He was eliminated in round one with Vegas on another occasion, with Florida on another occasion, eliminated in round one. Missed the playoffs a couple of times coaching the Columbus Blue Jackets. Missed the playoffs um, once coaching the Florida Panthers. Was fired another time after like 25% of the season in with Florida. So he did have two teams that went far. But for the most part, uh, his regular seasons were better than than his playoffs. All right, okay. So you see Tree Living bringing back Sheldon Keefe. And... If Pierre Dorian's back, you see him bringing back DJ Smith. All right, I actually okay. don't know that. He, he's oh. been very non-committal, which is the first time in in the four years since he hired DJ Smith that he's been non-committal about his head coach. And I don't know if that is dependent on 
which ownership group wants or it's 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 so hard to know but i'm i'm not 100% convinced that if pierre dorian is back he's bringing dj back as his coach if i would go to ottawa tomorrow i'd walk into a coffee shop and people are outside sitting down it's a nice day and uh, they're talking about the ottawa senators um are they excited about their future they are absolutely and i think they'd be frustrated about the sale I think that that's first and foremost, be, just because it's taken so long. That that's the sense that that I get. Again, I'm not frustrated because I know these things take time. But I think, you know, you talk to the average fan, they'd be frustrated about the sale. Um, they they'd be they'd be talking about Alex DeBrinket, quite yeah. frankly. That 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 would be the other big topic right now is Alex DeBrinket and the fact that it seems like he doesn't want to be back. And we've heard those rumblings for weeks now, but the fact that it's out there a little bit more with Elliot Friedman mentioning that they've been taking calls on him. I'm not expecting he's going to be back next year. And to me at this stage, what like in a cap league and and you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, we've talked about the teams. You you look at the Vegas Golden Knights and how they're built. They're built four lines and six defensemen deep. And the only way you can do that. Now I get it. Kind of like Tampa Bay, they the Mark Stone LTIR thing didn't hurt. Circumvented the cap, yeah, yeah. But hey, those are the rules. So that that's that's the way it goes. But you, you still can't put all your eggs in four or five baskets. I, I think if you've got a couple of star players, Pam. But you better if you're paying guys eight nine million bucks plus, you better know you've got the right guy. And and I think with Stutzla and Kachuk and and Shabbat, although he had he's had his struggles as well, and he needs to play better. Um, and, and Jake Sanderson eventually, they they've got the right core of guys. I yeah. just don't know if Alex it. I know he can score goals, and I know he had an off season. I don't expect him to be a guy that puts up sixty six points. I think he's going to be closer to a seventy five or eighty point guy, but. Are you going to pay somebody like like Cole Caulfield just almost got eight million right now? And you look yeah. at DeBrinket's numbers, and he's heading to free agency a year from now. There's no way he's getting less. So if he's getting eight and a half million, do you want to pay someone who's going to be your fourth or fifth best forward because he's not going to be better than Kachuk? He's not going to be better than Stutzla. Maybe at best he's their third best forward, but I think Norris is probably going to be a better forward than him. So let's say he's their fourth best forward. And yeah, he might be their best goal scorer. You want to pay someone your fourth best forward eight and a half, nine million bucks? I'm not sure I do. So so here's the deal. Uh, we have to keep a couple of things in mind. Like Kachuk and Stutzla, he hasn't even hit his prime yet. All right. So that's he's 25 years old. He's got some great hockey ahead of him. Uh, number two. Right now, he's, what, the fourth leading goal scorer on the team. Stutzla was number one. Giroux was number two. Kachuk was number three. And Dabrinkit was number four. Logic dictates that, you know, uh, Giroux at 34, 35 years old, that's no longer going to be the case. So he would move into the top three. You're making a lot of sense the way you're talking. You're not going to want to give Alex Dabrinkit $10 million a year if he's your fifth scorer on the team or your sixth scorer on the team or your fifth point getter or sixth point getter on the team. But if Alex DeBrinket scores 40 goals and scores more goals than any Ottawa Senator, 
then you can make that argument that yeah. he can make a lot of money. But he needs to be the best goal scorer on that team. That's it. Or else you're right. It's hard to justify giving him that kind of money. And they're going to have to pay other guys. They're going to have to pay Jake Sanderson, who to me is already the best defenseman on the team after one season. Yeah. So they're going to have to pay Jake Sanderson eventually. If guys like Shane Pinto and Ridley Gregg pan out, and then it's still early in the process, but Pinto looks like at the very least a solid number three center. They're going to have to pay those guys. And eventually you can't pay everybody. And and they've already elected to pay Shabbat and Norris and, yeah. You know, Batherson's on a good contract, and obviously Kachuk and Stutzla. In the end, you can't pay everybody. And if you're going to let somebody go, look, would, would, in a perfect world, would I, would I like to have Alex Debrinkit here? Absolutely. But I don't even know if he wants to be here long-term. And so if, if you don't know if he wants to be here long-term, then I think you have to do something that's not going to really look good on Pierre Dorian, but you got to trade him a year after – giving up three pretty big assets, including a number seven overall pick to bring him in in the first place. AJ, Jack, Beck, man, this was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was, it was too long, man. We got it. We got to do this again sometime soon. I love talking to you. You have, uh, once again, you have a lot of passion. You have a lot of energy, just like I like him. So, you know, I, I, I know that you're once again, you're really, really passionate about soccer. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, Canadian Championship final tomorrow night. Who do you got? CF Montreal. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you I haven't watched a ton of MLS this year, but I think they kind of, with all the players that they lost, yeah. You know, the Alistair Johnstons and Kamal Millers. And uh, I think, you know, after a pretty dreadful start, I think they Ishmael, Kanae, Jordy Mialovic. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Um, you know, Vancouver is obviously favorite to win the game, and the game is played at BC Place. But, you know, Vancouver beat Montreal earlier this season in MLS play by a score of 5 to nothing. And I know that Vancouver has been dominant as of late at home, but I don't, um, I don't think the gap, obviously, is that big. I think it's a 60-40 game that can go either way. The one game I don't think is going to go either way is going to be the uh, the Champions League final between Man City and Inter Milan. I hate to yeah. say this because I'm an Inter Milan fan. I went to Stadio Bernabeu in 2010 to watch Inter Milan play yeah. with Bayern Munich, and they won 2 nothing on two goals by Diego Melito, who, by the way, I was vacationing uh, in Punta Cana at the Dreams La Romana Resort one year ago. And I'm sitting down in the in the restaurant, and I'm sitting with my wife and my son. And there's a gentleman to my left, and I look at him, and I said, "But do you speak Italian?" And I said to them that in Italian, he said, "Yes, I do." I said, "My God, you look so much like Diego Melito. It's unbelievable." And he looked at me, and he said, "Well, that's me." <laughs> Very cool. And then I started shaking a little bit, and then uh, I didn't leave him alone for the rest of his trip. Uh, uh, no, but uh, we did uh, take a couple of pictures. It was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So the guy that I went to watch in 2010 who scored two goals in the Champions League final happened to be having lunch next to me like every day uh, at that resort for like uh, for like a week. It was it was really cool. Who do you got? Man City versus Inter Milan. Yeah, and, and I was actually in the Inter supporter section for a one nil loss against Fiorentina in the spring. So that was, 
really oh, cool really? experience. Yeah, even though they weren't able to get the win. I was bad luck. I went to Napoli, saw them lose 4-0 at home to AC Milan. Went to oh, wow. Inter and saw them lose to Fiorentina at home. But, uh, yeah, I Man City is far and away the best team in the world, and this is the one thing that they're missing. I, I think it's going to be 3 or 4-0. Yeah, you know what? I I I just I I think the same. I think Man City will stop scoring when they want to stop scoring. Uh it's just the feeling I get. Um Guardiola like Johan Cruyff changed the game. Guardiola's taken it to another level and that's a well well-oiled machine. All right, okay. Uh in ending because you love the beautiful game so much. Out of all the places you went to watch a game was Wrexham the coolest or was it uh, was it somewhere else? Oh, that's that's a tough question. Did you go to, um, Anfield? You go to Anfield? Yeah, I've been to Anfield. That, that was my first ever game in Europe. Saw yeah. England play Paraguay there. I did not see Liverpool there. So wow. A- Anfield was very cool. Um man, some of my favorites seeing uh seeing Legia Warsaw play at home, seeing Hammerby play at home. A lot of them are the smaller to mid-sized stadiums where the atmosphere can just blow you away. I, I feel like when you go to an old Trafford, for example, and there's 75,000 people, it kind of gets lost because three different sections are singing yeah. different things. You get to those stadiums that are 30,000 and less and everyone's singing in unison, it's it's tough yeah. to beat. So I went I went to Old Trafford. I also, you talked yeah. about San Siro before. I went to the San Siro to watch a game, but... I have a feeling you visited a lot more stadiums than I did. Good for you. I like you even more now. Hey, man, thanks for doing this. I hope you're well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Tony. All right, there you have it. AJ Jackiebeck of 1200 out of Ottawa. All right, okay. Uh, it's a sick podcast. I'm Marinero, and you can follow us on YouTube. We are live, and if you're enjoying the podcast or you enjoyed it, like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. You can also listen via Google apple or spotify leave us a five-star review it's our way of feeling the love special thanks of course to labita tb uh, special thanks to energy transportation group special thanks to playground special thanks to murphy clinic and a shout out to matrix home fitness and matrixhomefitness.ca discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home and yellow once again has the elliptical i have the rower and the treadmill Absolutely fantastic products, strong, smart, and beautiful. Just like me. One team, one dream. We're one team, the Sick Podcast. Me and all of you, my Sick Army, my Sick Community, and uh, even Agnello and Sammy and Shane and Master Control. They're Cavallaro, at least two of them are. The other guy, I don't remember his family name, but... uh, What's his family? Guimont, 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 Guimont. Uh, I'll find out tomorrow for sure. Shane is his name. He goes by Shane. Fragnello and Sammy, they're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. Tomorrow night, same time, same place, weeknights, 10 p.m., live. Ciao for now. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. <laughs>